The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Happy Tuesday, right? Tuesday, everybody. Anthony Cazenza here with Cincy Jungle and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Hope you're all doing well. And we are going to get through some news notes, a little bit of opinions on that. And then, of course, we'll have our bigger show later in the week. But wanted to kind of update some folks on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals because it's already been a busy week as it is. And then on top of it, uh, a little bit of stuff. Just a, just a slight bit of news going on with one of the and uh, throughout the AFC North, um, but really with one team, a big piece of news. So we've got a lot to talk about here. Of course, you can get this show on your favorite platform right down here. If you like the YouTube stuff, click on the show icon to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We've had a lot of uh, a couple of fun weeks here, um, bringing on Orlando Brown Jr. and um, you know, talking about the draft, talking about free agency, all kinds of different stuff. So um, we've been having some fun here. Uh, it's, if you like the audio side of things, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. Of course, you can follow along on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. Give that a thumbs up, not only to follow the video streams of all of the, the shows that we have, but also, you know, follow along with the stories that we put out from all kinds of different great writers at Cincy Jungle. And then, of course, um, I think I said iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're on all the major audio platforms, too. So go check that out. All right. Let's get to some of the news and notes. One of the ones, there's a couple of big things that happened on Monday. But one that came through um, that it was a little bit overshadowed is that the Bengals re-signed wide receiver Trent Taylor. And I'm going to pin these. This is from Cincy Jungle here. Uh, they did re-ink him. And he is back with the receiver core there. Now he's a guy obviously who's done some, some special team stuff, punt return duty, that sort of thing. So we'll see if that's kind of his path to the roster again, but a guy that they like and a guy that they wanted to have back to fill out that wide receiver room, wide receiver could be a dark horse pick. I don't know, maybe, maybe as early as night two, um, maybe, you know, fill out something if there's an intriguing kind of project developmental guy on day three in the later rounds, maybe they go that route, but 
Trent Taylor is back on a one-year deal with the Bengals. Um, and of course, he was a guy, he, he was uh, with the 49ers, for, spent his first four years there, and then became uh, a Bengal in the 2020 offseason. Um, he's caught eight passes for 103 yards and 20 games for the Bengals. And then, of course, he's been the, the punt, punt returner since uh, late in the 21 season. But, um, you know, he's got a 9.8 average. There's been a couple of nice returns in his career with the Bengals. Nothing, um, you know, huge, huge, but, you know, a guy that they like in terms of steadiness and whatnot. Um, and Darren Simmons trusts him. So he's a guy that they wanted back. They brought him back on a one-year deal. And obviously, again, it's one of those deals as the Bengals get into the draft, they want to try and limit the desperate needs limit, you know, not go in there feeling like, oh man, this is a, a, a completely unstocked position group. And we've, you know, we may have to pick a position or pick a player higher than we would like or higher than our board, just because we need to fill out the roster. We need to get talent at specific positions. Speaking of that tight end has definitely been one of those positions. And it looked like the Bengals were just kind of teeing up a, a big, you know, potentially doubling up on at the tight end position because they just had not made any moves. They were talking with Foster Moreau, and unfortunately he, in a physical with the Saints, they found out he had Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, so, of course, best to him. And then, of course, the Bengals at the burning the midnight oil. Um, and what a cool picture is this, by the way, of Irv Smith. He's got the, the shades on. He's He's got the, the rock star. Uh, <laughs> the rock star sign there. And uh, he's got the, the eye black all over his face. You got to love all of that. Irv Smith signs a contract with the Bengals per reports. And it was uh, by Peter Schrager and others. Uh, he was Schrager was the one who broke the news first. And then of course um, this is kind of cool here. Not only did he, he's, he's going to come here to be the number one tight end as it is. Now I think that this signing is going to it's not going to get the Bengals out of the tight end market uh in terms of who in the draft i would say by the time night two is done they will probably especially with the depth and the talent in this year's class by the time night two is done i think the Bengals will have had a another tight end drafted but again this lessens the desperation this is basically uh irv smith was basically the guy that was the best remaining guy, uh, you know, left on the market. You can see here, it says arguably the number one tight end left in the market. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he was kind of the best of what was left there and a guy that brings some upside, brings some athleticism, brings a lot of effort. Um, and you know, just a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, obviously there's also, you know, he was kind of down the pecking order in the Vikings offense, when you have Adam Thielen, you had, you know, Stefan Diggs at one point, you know, you have Justin Jefferson. I mean, those guys are going to get the lion's share of the, the catches, the looks, et cetera. They did line him up as an inline blocker a, a bit as well. So I think they like some of the things they feel they can do with a guy like Irv Smith. But I love this part that Schrager puts out here. He chose to play for Cincinnati over, over the rest in, he had multiple offers there so um you know there was i i can't remember the teams off off the top of my head here but um good to know and good to hear that he is also all in with the Bengals. he chose the Bengals and joe burrow not only for his own career but uh, po quite possibly one 
a move for him in his career where he thinks that he's got a good chance to win as well as play and have a high role, high profile role in this offense. Now, when you look at, um, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of a snapshot here. Um, PFF score for Irv Smith, 56.6 overall last year. And then you look at the stats um, has never eclipsed more than 36 catches in a year. And he did, he got that number as a rookie has never had more than 365 yards in a season. That was in his second year in 2020 and then has nine touchdowns in technically four accrued seasons. He didn't play in 2021. Uh, I think it was a meniscus injury that, that bugged him that year. So 2020 was his best year, 30 catches, 365 yards, a 12.2 average and five touchdowns. You know, if you get that in a bit more, um, a little bit more from him in this offense that puts him kind of on par with what CJ Uzama and Hayden Hurst gave you the past couple of years. But this is a guy they feel that can help out in the blocking game a bit. Um, and a guy, he doesn't have the size. He's 6'2". He doesn't have the height or the size as Uzama or Hayden Hurst. But a guy I think that they feel could be a, you know, a, sh- a short target, uh, a short yardage target and or middle of the field target and a guy who's got a lot of effort and can do, uh, you know, things in the blocking game for him, uh, catch the occasional pass and maybe be a red zone weapon for him there. So that, yeah. And Dan here, of course, I I mentioned the other guys. And of course he was backing up Kyle Rudolph as Dan, the man says here as well. So down the pecking order uh, was he with the Vikings, maybe a higher profile role with, with Cincinnati will give him the opportunity to shine. I think potentially, if I'm just kind of sitting here right now, I know in our last mock draft that we did after speaking with Orlando Brown Jr. last week, if if I'm looking at it, you know, he can kind of play the more inline tight end type of role. Yeah, you can, you know, flex him out, split him out a little bit. Um, potentially, this means the Bengals may go instead of a Michael Mayer route, even though that was the guy we picked in our first mock draft, uh, post-free agency mock draft. Maybe this means that the Bengals will go for more of a slot true more athletic basket, whether that's, you know, um, the kid from Iowa, whether that's Dalton Kincaid, whether, you know, th- there are a number of options and you kind of got, you know, uh, you know, uh, a choice of a lot of different options. Uh, if you're the Bengals or any team in this year's draft looking for a tight end, there's a lot of different options. Guys bring different things to the table and a lot of exciting things. So potentially if you're able to use, um, yeah, I know Wiley uh, is a guy that that a lot of local local Cincinnati people like as well. Uh, Koontz is another guy that's uh, you know rising up boards. Uh, he's the kid from Old Dominion, I believe. Uh, and then of course uh, Dalton Kincaid, like I said, a guy that he's not going to be he's not going to give you a ton in the blocking game, but you can split him out and do a lot of different things. We also did a profile draft profile on him uh, about a month or so ago, so go check that out. But um, yeah, a lot of different options, and that Irv Smith signing definitely opens things up for the Bengals in that regard. But uh, again, not a guy that was you know a focal point for the Minnesota Vikings, but maybe with an increased role, maybe we'll see higher production and uh, you know a- another added element to the Bengals' offense, particularly if and when they draft a tight end within the first three rounds. So let's keep it rolling here. I am going to bring up this one here um, because this is this was kind of big news. The Bengals did sign quarter cornerback depth, not quarterback, cornerback depth. Uh, Sidney Jones, intriguing player, a guy from uh, the Washington Huskies, a guy that, you know, has some athleticism and, uh, you know, a lot of people like him. Unfortunately, he's bounced around from team to team. 
uh, you know, there's not a lot there uh, in terms of, you know, career stability, I guess. Uh, but the Bengals do sign him. He's a former second round pick. A lot of, a lot of teams liked him. He was with the Jaguars. He was most re- recently with the Raiders. He's with the Seahawks, uh, drafted by the Eagles. Second round guy. He's from my neck of the woods a little bit, actually. Uh, but a guy that, you know, gives you positional, again, positional flexibility. Um, it, it depends on, it's kind of the, the Leo Collins situation in a way. I mean, obviously, Chidobi Awuzier has been playing as one of the better corners in the league the last couple of years since joining the Bengals, but he's coming off a, a big injury. And so now you've got Sidney Jones, who you feel potentially could come in and start a few games should Jadobi Wuzie need to start on the pup list or take a, a, the first couple of games off or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's uh, a little bit of uh, kind of eases the pressure, so to speak, in terms of not having an option there. Now, what this means for Eli Apple, I would assume that this probably means that this is the route they're going to go as a guy that is the spot starter should you need him and or the fringe, you know, a depth guy, that sort of thing, kind of the role that Eli Apple has been stepping into the past couple of years. Now, Eli Apple has played some of the best football in his NFL career with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you kind of wonder if this is a very similar career arc with Sidney Jones. He's younger. Um, and, and so, you know, the Bengals have wanted to get younger and faster. They've, they've, they've kind of uh, have pointed to that in a lot of different respects and what they've done and not done this year. So, um, you know, th- this could be a move towards that. But Sidney Jones now is, again, intriguing guy because he's a former second-round pick, a guy that can maybe get you through a couple of starts uh, on the boundary. And then, of course, you know, when you spread things out, the the opposing offense spreads things out. Maybe he's a guy who can come in there as your – I mean, obviously, if you're looking at Mike Hilton as your third corner, as your slot guy, maybe he comes in as CB4 once a woozy is healthy and you're feeling pretty good about things. And then, of, of course, God forbid, if something happens with Cam Taylor-Britt, um, you know, a guy who plays physical and he actually missed, uh, you know, some time in the summer and whatnot with a, I believe it was a core injury. Maybe this is also another good insurance policy in that respect too. So a smart move. I still think the Bengals will take um, at least one corner and probably somewhat early in this year's class. Um, you know, you, you kind of got to figure that within those first four picks, you're looking at probably some form of a defensive lineman, you're looking at, um, you know, tight end, uh, you, you know, you may be looking at corner and then who knows what's going to happen with the running back position as well, because that's one position really that they didn't address too much, only in the form really of uh, resigning Travion, uh, Travion Williams. And then, of course, Samaje Pirine leaves to, um, you know, uh, to, to free agency. And who knows what's happening with Ezekiel Elliott. That was another rumor that started popping up here as well that he had narrowed down his teams to the final, you know, final three or four. And the Bengals were in that discussion reportedly. So at any rate, Sidney Jones is with the Bengals, a guy that they feel can uh, bring some, bring some depth and whatnot. It is a one-year deal. um, And again, he's 26. I think he's going to be 27 in the, in the year uh, during the season. So um, a guy, I think that again, Maybe Lou Anarumo can kind of work a little bit of magic. I, I, Sidney Jones, I don't want to just outright call him, you know, a, a disappointment necessarily. But, I mean, second-round pick, you kind of you feel like you had some high hopes for him. He's flashed. He's had some good moments. And a guy that, you know, again, just kind of uh, health and other things, uh, you kind of feel like hopefully now you get into Lou Anarumo, and he's a guy who's coached Eli Apple up. 
He's, you know, coached Jadobi Awuzie up. And, and of course, Anaruma was a secondary coach himself for a long time in the NFL. So maybe this is where it's going to be a, a good, uh, a good career move for a guy like Sidney Jones as well. So at any rate, let's get moving on here with, let's see, where do we want to go next? Let's go to some visits the Bengals have. And the Bengals, busy week, I'm telling you, busy week. Contavious uh, Street and Terrell Basham. So, again, I mentioned the Bengals might get a defensive lineman early in this year's class. That that could be coming down the pike for them. But these are two relatively young guys that they feel could be depth pieces here going forward. And, of course, um, you know, Again, Sidney Jones, uh, talk about Irv Smith, and then, you know, Basham and Street now are free agents. And Basham was a guy that a lot of a lot of Bengals fans knew because not only was he a high pick, he was a third-round pick, but he was out of Ohio University, so somewhat local kid, and he was a Colts uh, player. So he played locally, bounced around a little bit, Colts, Jets. So kind of the same thing uh, as Sidney Jones here, he Colts, Jets, Cowboys, Titans, he's bounced around a little bit. Uh, he does have 12 sacks for his career, 72 tackles. So he can get to the quarterback a bit. And so that's uh, getting another depth piece, another guy that can come off the edge and do some different things on the defensive line is a you know something that the Bengals really want to have on their, you know, to restock the cabinet, so to, so to speak there. But Street was a fourth-round pick. So two guys that were, uh, you know, kind of mid-round picks, uh, a year later in 2018, he was with the 49ers, tore his ACL during his pro day. I forgot about that till I just read that. And now I, I, that's ringing a bell. So uh, played with the Saints as well as the 49ers. Six sacks last season and an overall defensive grade of 49.2 per PFF. So I will pin this in the live chats for you all as well to check out on Cincy Jungle. And you can have fun with that. But Basham and Street would be interesting for this team, or or one or the other. Again, provide some more flexibility going into the draft for the team. You know, maybe not necessarily. They're going to want to go in there feeling like they're going to stick to their board. They're going to they're going to want to go in there. Be the Bengals, the brain trust there. They're going to want to go in there and not feel like they need to desperately reach for any position, any player. And so these last slew of moves that they have made and or visits that they have made have, have kind of proven that. So that is kind of some of the things going on with the Bengals and their visits, signings. Busy week already for them. Not a busy week for Jonah Williams, who requested a trade from the Cincinnati Bengals after Orlando Brown Jr. signed with the team. And I will pin this here for everybody. That's interesting. Interesting comment here from Nick in the Facebook page. Uh, he put a sham, uh, but I, I then corrected it to Basham. Basham played for Jimmy Burrow. I didn't make that connection. That's a good, uh, good connection there. Jonah Williams, trade market, not developing. Zach Taylor hopes he will come in and compete at right tackle is the quote. The Bengals have kind of a 
simultaneously good and not so good problem at right tackle. They've got Jonah Williams seems like a guy that you would feel could come in and play pretty well at the, at the position and really kind of provide some nice stability on across the line from player to player. Right. You kind of feel that way. And then now, you know, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to partake in the, (laughs) the move to right tackle. I have an article coming out for Cincy Jungle, and it kind of recapped part of what Orlando Brown Jr. said in our interview with him, which is talking about the transition from one side to the other on the offensive line, particularly when you're talking about tackle. So read that, but that probably plays into this, particularly in a contract year for Jonah Williams, all of that playing into it, not just you know reputation of left tackle versus right tackle and the luster that comes with that, but here you go. Jonah Williams trade market not developing any hopes that he will compete at right tackle. Well, the Bengals have currently Lael Collins. That seems like a guy who's going to be on the pup list. Should they keep him? You've got Jonah Williams, who's on the books now. Uh, he is trying to find trade partners, not really having a great uh, go of that. And then, you know, you've now got Cody Ford, who hasn't played right tackle for years in the NFL, but does have starting experience there. Maybe he's a guy that gets you by if if you move on from Jonah Williams, you keep Lael Collins. Maybe he's on the pup list. Maybe Cody Ford, kind of kind of like the Sidney Jones thing. Maybe he's Cody Ford's the guy that gets you through a couple of games until Lael Collins comes back. We'll have to see here. But this is from Armando Salguero from Outkick. And the report is a funny thing has happened to Williams en route to being traded. No one has so far been interested in giving up a high draft pick for the 25-year-old player. Quote, he's not a big man with long arms and he plays like it, one NFL general general manager told Outkick. Quote, he might not even be a tackle. So who trades for a player best suited for an interior position when he's insisting on playing left tackle? So far, nobody. So the leverage game is not there for Jonah Williams. There's also, I think, a tack onto that report that said that um, supposedly at some point late in his Alabama career, and I'll have to corroborate that and double check it. But uh, there was, a, I think it was tacked onto that one that said that they've tried to move him inside to center late in his career at Alabama. So that that's kind of interesting there, but the quote from Zach Taylor, ever exuberant quote, I like everything about Jonah. I'm excited to see him come in and compete at right tackle. He's always been everything we wanted him to be about. We've never had issues with him. Hopefully we can work through this and he can come in and compete at right tackle for us. That's what we're counting on him to do. He's never been an issue, and I don't anticipate that being an issue. This was the very first pick, Jonah Williams, of the Zach Taylor era. Very first pick. So obviously he's got a soft spot for him, and he's a guy that feels that he can, you know, Jonah feels that he can play left tackle, be effective, be a a good quality starter for a team at left tackle. And um, other teams aren't really seeing it that way. I would not be surprised, though, if this is something that occurs in terms of movement of him on draft weekend. I, you know, I, there's kind of a switch that gets flipped again that weekend where teams kind of get that free agent frenzied mindset type of thing. And he may be, you know, one of those guys that uh, gets dealt, hopefully, if he does, for a pick that can be used that weekend and not necessarily a future one, but again, uh, the Bengals have kind of a, they have simultaneously a problem and a good problem at right tackle. Cause they have a, a couple of guys who have played and started 
not only right tackle, but, uh, you know, left tackle in the league. So they've got kind of a little bit of a good problem as well as one that they've got to sort through. That is for sure. All right. We're going to roll on here. And this is, I, I gotta, I gotta pin this one because we are, we just brought this guy on Patrick Carey, who you've seen on WNKY TV. And now he's doing some writing for us. He's going to do a little bit of stuff on the podcast channel as well. I should have reached out to have him on today, but unfortunately we kind of did this last minute, but Patrick Carey giving you the options at right tackle. So I thought that was a pertinent article, not only because of what we were just talking about with Jonah Williams, but everything else happening there, Lael Collins, Cody Ford. And then of course, a lot of options in the draft, some of which could be available to them at the back of the first round. The bottom line is the Bengals need a long-term answer here at right tackle and Cody Ford on a short-term deal. Jonah Williams on the last year of his deal, Lael Collins has, you know, kind of a a tricky contract where he's got more, uh, I think he's got two more years on it, but you know, you can get out of that. And of course the injuries and whatnot with him are always a concern. So now you're going to need to potentially find a long-term answer in the draft. And there are some intriguing options here. And I I just wanted to pin this one, not only to give a a tip of the cap to Patrick for joining Cincy Jungle, but um, also a good article here talking about all the things happening at right tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals at present moment. So go check that one out. That is pinned in there, examining the Bengals options at right tackle. We're going to be here just a couple more minutes going through some stuff, talking about the – we're going to talk a little bit about the AFC North in just a second. Um, well, let's just do it right now. Everybody by now knows this. This has been, again, really busy week, not only with the Cincinnati Bengals, but with the rest of the AFC North. And, you know, a lot of Ravens – I guess fans and a particular seafood establishment uh, in the city of Baltimore have really been all over Bengals fans, all over the Bengals, leaving a lot of comments in bang in the Cincinnati Bengals, Twitter posts and whatnot. Uh, And they are pardon the pun eating a little bit of crow here with Lamar Jackson publicly requesting a trade from the Ravens. Apparently this happened a few weeks ago where he let the team know And I've begun to wonder, you know, you think back to this entire playoff game between the Bengals and the Ravens, the wild card round. And he, you know, you kind of felt like, you know, what's what's happening here now? Granted, I'm not downplaying the injury. There was, you know, an injury that kept him out for a long period of time. But there was also a report, I believe, in October by Skip Bayless. He was laughed at at the time. But now you look at everything coming out from this. And you go, well, maybe Skip knew a thing or two as to what was going on here. Lamar Jackson, uh, at the, at, I guess back in October, and you can go find this clip, uh, our guy in Graven Vids, who's done great work uh, on our show to help preview the Ravens season and whatnot, has one of the best YouTube channels out there, not only for the Ravens, but for the NFL football in general. Go check him out. He, led a, he put a tweet out of the Skip Bayless video and basically it said i think it was in mid-october saying that lamar jackson was disinterested in meetings didn't seem as engaged all this kind of stuff that was laughed at for a long time and now you look at what's come you know six five six months later trade requests he doesn't want to be there and so now the baltimore ravens kind of have to scramble and start from scratch here i don't see how this ends 
with Lamar Jackson coming back to Baltimore, quite honestly. I think they're, you know, he's put out some kind of passive aggressive tweets about what he was or was not offered, that sort of thing. So Lamar Jackson has publicly requested a trade from the Ravens and it really, really tilts the balance of power pretty heavily into the Bengals' favor at this point. You know, the Steelers are going to be the Steelers. They're competitive, but still that doesn't seem, they don't seem to necessarily be the same powerhouse that we saw in the prime Big Ben years and whatnot. Uh, the Browns, you know, they could be, they, they could surprise some people, be a little sneaky this year with Deshaun getting, you know, potentially a full camp and full year under him and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the, it was kind of between you, you felt like it was going to be, again, between the Ravens and the Bengals for the AFC North in 2023. And this really shifts the power um, to, to the Bengals. So we'll have to see exactly what the Ravens do here. We'll have to see exactly what happens here. But this is big, big NFL news, big NFL news, Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, and we've got a KC fan in here, uh, Hefe, uh, saying Lamar is a top five quarterback. He's, he's very, very good. He's very good. When he's healthy and he is on, he is hard to stop. There is no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Moving on, though, we're going to just do a little headline from each AFC North team. And here's kind of a little bit of a report card for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just kind of showing what they've done so far. And this is from behind the steel curtain, the SB Nation uh, Pittsburgh Steelers site. I'm going to pin this in the live chat for folks to check out. And here you go, grading the Steelers free ag- free agents additions. And you can kind of see here there's Cole Holcomb. Um, there's a Landon Roberts, a couple of linebackers for both of them. Patrick Peterson, a guy who <laughs> said he wanted to play for the Bengals at the onset of free agency and then promptly signed with the, and I think he is the William Jackson replacement, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so a, a lot of different people, uh, players in here so you can check out kind of in case you wanted to kind of keep score a little bit of what the Steelers have done or haven't done in free agency and see how they are viewing the moves there check it out and you can you can do so with the link there but a couple of interesting moves that they have made in their in their free agency period and then of course we'll end it here with the with the Cleveland Browns we talked about them a little bit this is just I mentioned, you know, they could be sneaky. They could do, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But anytime, I know this is from the owner's meetings, I I think, and whatnot. But anytime this is the headline where your your owner has to come out and say, there was no consideration to firing Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski after 2022, the disappointing season there. Obviously, you kind of felt like 2022 was going to be a bit of a wash for the Browns, given the investment they made in Deshaun Watson and the fact that, he is a guy that uh, was going to miss significant time that year, and he did. And so they kind of were like, well, we're, we're going to have to roll with this, and this is kind of a, a, a wash of a year. So I, this isn't come as necessarily a big shock, but anytime you have to kind of <laughs> put this out there, I guess, uh, this is this is for, for you to peruse. But uh, anyway, Jimmy Haslam sticking up for his guys. I guess you got to give him kudos for that. And that's kind of the latest a little bit with, of course we could go through mock drafts. We could do all that kind of stuff, but we're going to let that be for right now. I will be back this week with John Sheeran on Thursday night. So join us for that. I know we've been doing Wednesday nights. Got to do a little bit of a switch up here. The, so we're going to do Wednesday night, talk about all kinds of different stuff and have some fun. So join us for that live chat 
and we will see you then. In the meantime, again, go check out that interview we had with Orlando Brown Jr. That was a lot of fun, engaging guy. Obviously, we're all excited that he is the the Bengals' new left tackle. The Bengals' new left tackle. And yeah, bah bum. I'll I'll be keeping an eye out for your show, but I appreciate the appreciate the support. Take care, everybody. Have a great rest of your week, and we will be back with much, much more, be it our show, 3 and Out with Jason and Kevin, all kinds of different stuff, and, of course, keep it to cincyjungle.com for your news, opinions, analysis, videos, podcasts, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. We'll see you next time.